0: So guys, um, for those that didn't join us in the beginning, Melissa Rubin, she's in South Florida. She's been selling very, very expensive properties, all different price ranges. Um, and I'm actually excited to hear about her story because I don't know much of it. I've followed her for years, but a lot of agents that start real estate, we have people that we look up to like Melissa. And what we don't know is the journey that that person talked That they've gone through. So Melissa, can you share your journey with us? Like, so how long have you been in real estate?
1: I've been in real estate since 2002, actually. And prior to that, I was in the fashion business. For many years, I did startup and turnarounds for big fashion concepts around the globe. And I spent a lot of time in Asia doing production and I've lived in a number of cities where those opportunities were from both the creative end and the marketing end. So I had 20 years of, of marketing experience through the fashion business.
0: And why did you choose real estate?
1: I actually, for fun, honestly, I I had uh, I came here to do a startup with Sanghas Had. I started their watch business called Watch Station. And in two years, we opened a thousand stores and we were then sold and I just took a package. I was tired. And my friend said, let's go to go to real estate school. It'll keep your brain working. And I just loved it. And I thought for fun, I would just, uh, I would do it actually. And then I started interviewing for GM positions around the country to go back in the fashion business. And I just wasn't passionate about it. And I think anywhere, anything you do, you have to have passion. And this was always a passion. So I just said, why not? I'll try. And sorry.
0: No, no. Go. Uh, so I was going to say like one of the things as agents in the beginning is very difficult for people. And you started in 02. How was your first year or two in real estate? How, do, how well did you do? What did you do for business? What were things that were taking place in your career at that time?
1: i always was involved in the community like for me that's very important both in my business now but before then so i was always on a number of boards so when i told people i was very blessed when i told people that i had shifted careers and i was a real estate broker they're like oh we want we're in the process of buying a house we'll use you and so interestingly enough so my first transaction was probably within three months of, of moving, of, of being in real estate. And I was so proud. I was a new agent and I basically knew nothing, which is also very humbling to know what you don't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. So I'm in uh, Biscayne Park and I'm with my clients and I see a for sale sign. I knock on the door to the and, and the owner's answer. And I am such a proud peacock. I'm like, here are my clients. We would love to see your house. I didn't think to call the other agent. (laughs) So you can imagine what happens when I call the other agent and I said, hi, my name is Melissa Rubin and I just knocked on your client's door and we're ready to make an offer and we've already negotiated the price. (laughs) Needless to say, he was threatening to take my license away.
0: that's awesome so how did that did you put an offer and how did it go
1: did and my broker at the time apologized profusely for my inexperience and we put an offer and they they since they bought they bought that they sold it we found them another house and my my year began with really learning trying to learn everything and i i worked with like a, a very i worked with kai's initially Because they had training I think every agent you want training and at that time that seemed to make sense And then shortly after within within less than a year I listed my apartment for sale because in real estate school. They say list your own apartment So you'll have a listing so I did and within 24 hours I sold that property And I didn't know how to write a contract. I was homeless and, it, and the person, that the realtor that represented that buyer, he turned out to be my partner. And we joined forces to create Platinum Properties International. And for 14 years, we were partners. And we had 20 agents in Coral Gables, and it was a very small boutique, sort of free-for-all type environment, And it was great, and I learned a lot from him.
0: So going back a step, um, your first sale, Do you remember the price of it? How much it was for?
1: At $355,000.
0: You'll never forget that, right?
1: I will never forget. I'll never forget the lesson learned. And now I think I'm probably even more sensitive to make sure we follow every rule for everything.
0: (laughs) So when you, because you sell very expensive homes now, was there a time that you transitioned from traditional real estate to more luxury luxurious real estate in
1: 2010 so I and was in,
0: how did you do that
1: through a referral that i got i'm in bni which i highly recommend if anybody can be in a bni group it's an amazing way to create relationships and to build your business and i so start- i'm going to
0: interrupt you a second sorry so can you for those people that don't know what bni is can sorry. you share what, what that is yes sure.
1: BNI is Business Network International and it's a referral networking group around the globe where it's one person per profession. So there's only one real estate broker residential, one real estate broker uh, commercial. And in, in New York, they'll be they'll they separated by boroughs. But broadly, the sole purpose is to build relationships and for people to refer you business. And I joined that in 2002 and that was a huge help in increasing my business and And so
0: you so you got that referral from there in 2010
1: so in, in 2010 i got a referral from the accountant and he said this is like a once in a lifetime referral and he he, and i met there and when it was very interesting because again you don't know what you don't know so when i spoke to the client and at that time i didn't know the extent of his wealth and he said well i'll go out with you on this date because on the days prior i'm going out with other agents and i said you know i'm the best agent there's no reason for you to be with anybody else. And there's no reason to, for you to be with me if you're going to go out with other agents. And he canceled all his appointments. Like, I didn't know so much chutzpah I had to do that. He canceled all his <laughs> appointments. And literally, we went out for three hours. And he put an offer in for a property in Il-Vallagio. And I went into e- Eloy. Uh, Eloy, at that time, owned the, the office in uh, il Villagio. This is in 2010, and literally we wrote the offer in his office. Like, that's how quickly it was, and we became really good friends after that, but service was so important, and that's what the expectation of service at that level is different in any level. I mean, we always want to be service-oriented, of course, and every client should feel like they're the only ones, but each, each client has their own level of what they expect service to be.
0: Right. So for those people that don't know the area, what what, what did that property go for in two thousand ten?
1: It was a three point three point five million and it was directly on the ocean and it's a small boutique building on the ocean and he wanted exclusivity, but the most important thing to him was to be at one with the ocean and to not have a big space between the ocean and the property. And this actually met that criteria because he liked to swim every day.
0: So one of the important things that you said, um, was as far as the level of service that someone expects. So when you have this, uh, a person of high net worth and you're their agent, obviously you're not just going to send them stuff like, on the mls or zillow or you're gonna obviously um do something to justify the six whatever figure commission so what are things that you would do or what are some of their expectations that they they um request
1: i always ask what's what's going on in their lives and it might be something as simple as making dinner reservations for them getting a tailor getting at one when his first art basel like i found the artisan and we hired her to take him around art basel nothing to do with real estate but what was important to him his wife is vegetarian making sure that he had a list of vegetarian restaurants for him to take her to so she could feel comfortable Daycare, babysitters for the children, anything he needed to make his life feel comfortable in South Florida is what myself and my team did for him.
0: And how did you know to do this?
1: I just, through conversation, it's always important. Like I always, whenever I meet someone, I always see if we can get together for a a glass of wine to see what to learn more about them for a supper so I can learn what's most important to him. And to his family,
0: and I think we touched on this during our our role play session and stuff. One of the most important things, and I would guess this is what's happening during that supper or wine tasting with them you're probably going to be listening a whole lot more than you're talking right
1: a hundred percent i and I really like enjoy to learn about people in general. I think that's the best part of our careers that we. We meet so many incredibly talented and warm and wonderful people. And to be able to share in their lives is a gift.
0: Definitely, definitely. So you started in 2002. Your first um, big luxury real estate transaction was in 2010. Once you got that um, transaction in 2010, did it take a while to get more luxury deals or... How did you get more of them from that sale?
1: From, from, I, really, it's about trying to be where your client want, would be, like potential future clients where you can meet them. I would honestly, I'd sometimes I'd go to the golf course and just sit and have a drink at the at the bar at the golf course. Or I would simply ask, like I started with him and I asked him, who does he know that might be interested in buying property in South Florida? And I think... People want to help people and I've learned over the years that just asking you get you if you don't ask you don't get and so I did ask him and about a year later no two years later he introduced me to one of his partners and his partner bought a 15 million dollar property on Miami Beach and this is amazing amazing, right and this all stemmed from BNI. And the partner and his wife, we've become very good friends. And, you know, I help with his grandchildren. And again, it's the same. What's important to them is what's going to be important to me. I introduce them to Mount Sinai Medical Center where I'm on the board because it's important for them to have good medical care. So I introduce them almost right away as they move. And things that can touch their lives. I I make charitable donations to what's important to them and and just and become friends S- selfish friends that just selfless, that just truly like like each other invite them to my home which i often find is really nice to cook for supper in your house rather than a restaurant it's just more it's it's more humbling
0: yeah i think like what i get from what you do is so valuable compared to what we're taught in real estate in real estate we're taught to ask and ask and ask for business they never ever say about giving selflessly before asking. You know, you do things regardless of the outcome. You're helping this person do um, a lot of things that are so important to them. You're getting to know what's important to them. And then after you've shown that you're trusty, that you you care about them a lot, then it's okay to ask. When we ask before doing that, it's a total disconnect. No one right. wants to help us until we help them.
1: Yeah. And that's the premise behind B&I, giver's gain. The more you give, the I, the world is cyclical. And it's really true. When you give from your heart or whatever, whatever it is in your life, it comes back, you know, it comes back tenfold. One time. My criminal attorney, not, sorry, my cl- client from New York called me to say his friend was arrested for DUI drug possession. They're on Wall Street, so that's a huge deal. They were having fun, but I called my criminal attorney and got him out on the, the bails, bondsman, like the whole thing I learned, which I never knew anything about criminal law. And within 24 hours, he was, you know, he was safe and he had a great criminal attorneys, but they called their realtor. They didn't call anybody else because they knew I would be able to help them with this situation.
0: That's amazing. That's, that's like, that's how you get business. When you, when, when someone trusts you enough with the most important things in their life and their friends' lives, that's, that's amazing that they would think of you during that time, you know, that you're the first person to call. That's, that's incredible. So going down this journey of luxury real estate, once you started getting into it, did you change your marketing? Did you change how you do business? What did you do? Did you do anything differently or was it the same?
1: my we were always detailed from the fashion business retail is detailed, so it's super important in everything you do to be very detailed oriented and that detail doesn't necessarily have to cost more money it just means you have to think about it a bit more so working with them it's really it's really sort of helped me ante up to be better and to focus more on the detail and again to ask the questions and to listen more and again everybody we work with gets that same luxury experience But I might not have learned because I didn't know what I didn't know until I was in the position where I had to know. And then you fake it till you make it, sort of.
0: Yeah, totally. And so, like, for a new agent or someone that's trying to, you know, a very common thing realtors will ask or they'll ask me is, how do I get into the luxury market? How do I do that? I know you got it through B&I, and then you you totally – took whatever potential you had and you just killed it. You, you just did everything the right way. So someone that um, is trying to jump into luxury real estate, what advice would you give them?
1: To partner with, to do anything. I guess that's the first thing. like I've always come from the school that you cannot ask somebody to do something unless you've done it yourself. And I will do anything. And, you know, to this day I will sit and I will stuff envelopes. Like you do anything to make, to do what you need to do. And I would suggest partnering with someone that has more experience so that when you do speak to your friends and your colleagues and you share with what you're doing, you sort of have that background and, and that credibility by working with someone that has had that experience. And I, for me, that would be like my my first step, and then build look at your network and see what referral sources you might have It'd start with your school, your religion, your family, where you grew up, your college, and write down because you 'll be surprised how many people know people and then I would start talking to those people and say you know i'm in i 'm in South Florida, this is what I do and if you, if you do know someone that might be interested in this, this could be a great opportunity. I don't ever sell, but I always discuss and share educated information with potential people that could be potential referral sources. And I found so, that to be effective.
0: Yeah, so two things I get from that, which are extremely important. One is not having an ego where you can do whatever it takes. You can rely on someone else that knows better, admitting it to yourself that they know better. And two is basically you're providing a service. You're giving them an opportunity, not saying, hey, do you know anyone looking to buy this? But hey, this is a great opportunity. I don't know if if you know it. So those are huge. So another question I have is, so say an agent's been selling regular traditional real estate. I don't know. In South Florida, maybe three to five, six hundred thousand dollars real estate. And they've been doing it for five, eight years, however long, for for a, a long time. So their friends look at them as that type of an agent. How do they what advice would you give to get their their sphere that know that they sell just regular stuff to get them to think of them selling higher end real estate?
1: I would ask again, going back to like being partners or being having develop a relationship with somebody that has that already. And then you're a we. And then I think it's easy to say, we just got this listing for 1.5 million in South Beach and it's I mean again, it's the best thing known to mankind. Would you know anybody that might be interested? So that sort of then gaining credibility in that market above whatever price they choose to be in.
0: So great advice. So tell me about one of your most interesting listings you've had or have now, something that is, you know, memorable to you.
1: Well, I'll tell you the, the first, uh, I'll go back to that first sale of the 3.5 million and I will never forget because it really shows about being humble. So we're doing the inspections and I'm wearing a dress with a zipper that's all the way down the back and that zipper broke. And this is a vacant apartment, and so now I'm sitting in the apartment like with the buyer and the and the inspector, and basically half naked because there's no pins, and I'm walking around like this, and the gentleman was so he didn't make me feel embarrassed, he didn't say "Oh nice underwear and um it was right can you imagine it's mortifying my first big sale and this is what happens with this very wealthy man and they made me feel so comfortable so the lesson that I really learned is that in every experience everybody has something that may be uncomfortable and to make people feel at ease just totally can can make someone's day simple like little things can make someone's day and you know today i'm selling a beautiful home on sunset island too and it's um a a situation with a divorce and learning to and it's a beautiful home and they have two beautiful dogs and just making the experience when people come make them feel like that they could live in that property and not talk about the five dishwashers and the granite but really like in any apartment i think we can use this to try to Put people in the place of living in that property and we sell lifestyle we're not selling property and to be able in every price range to be able to speak to that and it's lessons that i've learned especially now as we go through these these areas this time where we have to be a little more separate to be able to speak to the beautiful home office and the beautiful outdoor space where people can socially distance and the water and Those are lessons that we're continuing to learn and how we communicate.
0: Yeah, totally. Selling emotion rather than stats.
1: Correct.
0: And when we were speaking earlier, um, before we got on, you're one of the few people that I know does this and I, I, I do it as well, but I'm sure you've done this for much longer than I have. One of the most important things that you mentioned when you were talking about your marketing plan was the copywriting you know you're you're making sure that that property is emotional it's not like yes. a 3-2 or a 4-3 with like you said the five dishwashers or whatever no one cares about that Correct. they'll see that in the stats but they won't get that emotion yes. so that's so cool that you you do that
1: yes and i also send handwritten notes to every client um whatever what every client i send a handwritten note to show how my gratitude and we also which is off topic we also have created a beautiful card that that offers them the opportunity to send it to us and we do a donation in their honor of a a charity of their choice not a charity of my choice and that means a lot. I mean, we, we still would buy the gift, but the charitable donation I find is very touching. I know it touches me, and so I like to be able to do that also. So rental, sale, whatever it is, we make a donation in their honor.
0: Nice. So for people that don't know, because this is a question like a lot of people ask, closing gifts. What, what Besides a charitable donation, if someone Um, is doing that or they're not doing that what would you recommend as a closing gift
1: so depending on the the depending on the relationship you have with the person and potentially the price range i try to do something that's more personal that's just me so as an example i've done in one of my more luxury properties i created a whole towel bathrobe Created a logo and I had everything Embroidered and created a big basket because they love the water. So I try to do something that might reflect on what they really like and I'll do also I love crystal. So I'll do a Tiffany something from Tiffany's because I love crystal and the blue box represents quality and at all price ranges. I do that and I think it's just a nice touch But I try to do something that might have relevance to whatever they're doing. I might try to do an experience. So recently I had a closing horseback riding lessons because the daughter loves horseback riding, Uh, give certificate to restaurants so they can create like a Miami experience if somebody is moving here. And I think that's just interesting to do.
0: Yeah, that's great. And it's so good that you mentioned about personalization because some people, a lot of agents, we don't um really we do it the wrong way they'll order the same thing what i do i I look at their social media i see what they're interested in and i do my best to buy something similar so it's about personalizing so the last few minutes that we have um melissa what would you like to share about yourself or anything that i didn't go over or how can people um, connect with you
1: well i'm you know one of my greatest things that I love is to give back and so if anybody has any questions or needs any help or just wants to talk and strategize I'm I'm thrilled to be able to do that to me that's a great gift for me and I love to do that so I would just welcome if there's any question strategy just uh, to call J at compass.com or my phone number which everybody should have but it's 305 305- 9847706. I'm a big dog lover, so anything you want to share with your dogs, I love that. I have my Remy, which you can see in the background, and he's a rescue, but he really rescued me. And uh, I don't know. I think you know the all the lessons we have to be humble with no ego and collaborate and know that we have amazing people around us that are so willing to give back and to teach and we we are the master of our destiny we have all the tools and it's up to us to take advantage of those tools not literal tools but figurative tools you know what i mean
0: totally. and if you guys like dogs and you're a compass agent go to, to hash, uh, i guess the dogs a compass group yeah and for people that may see this that aren't at compass how can they find you on social media what would be the best way they can find you
1: We are on the the MJR group for everything for Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Melissa J. Rubin for LinkedIn. And uh, those are our social media.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Melissa, for for joining us, for sharing with us. And I feel like I got to know you a little bit better. So that's awesome.
1: Thank you. This was so fun. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. So next week we have Brian Shapiro of the Joanne Forster Group. He'll be joining us. And thanks again, Melissa. Hope to see you around sooner than later.
1: Absolutely. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you again.
0: You too. Bye-bye.
1: See you. Bye.